couple of things before we get going. Uh, Car Free Day uh, is next Sunday, and uh, we're getting a bouncy castle, and we're going to have lots of fun there, and uh, the sign-up sheet is at the back. But really what we, the idea behind it is that we just want to connect with our community. We want to go out into our community and share and show the love of Jesus to them. And that's part of what we do on Car Free Day. So uh, I know it's Father's Day. It's always Father's Day. And that always causes a little bit of a, a problem. But come out, if it's for an hour or, or more, come out and uh, connect with our community around us. That would be wonderful. Second thing is uh, our association held their convention uh, last weekend in Edmonton. And four of our crowd went there, Tanya and Kristen and Chris and Emily were there uh, on behalf of City View. Uh, one of the things you need to know is one of the, uh, the motions was to change uh, the statement of faith for the CNBC. Uh, we had concerns about that as a church and as a leadership, um, and mainly revolving around the role of women in church and in home. Uh, and we felt as though the new statement of faith uh, was actually a backward step. Uh, that uh, motion was actually carried. I think it was 81% to 19%. Uh, so this new statement of faith now is in effect. Now, uh, we need to be thinking and praying as a leadership about what we do with that. And we're going to be doing that very uh, shortly. Uh, and we're going to come back to you and we'll have more of a discussion and talk about it then. But you just need to know uh, what has happened. Uh, if, you need to, if you want to know more, then go onto the CNBC website and uh, you'll find out more there. If you have any concerns, then come and see me or any of the leaders about it. Um, so we at City View adopted a word at the start of our year, uh, which was grow. We wanted to grow closer to Jesus. We wanted to grow closer in our relationship to him. And in one of the ways we wanted to illustrate that was, do you remember we planted that bulb in the pot that we were going to grow, and at the end of the year it was going to be this enormous flower? And you know, those of you who have been here, that it didn't grow. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, I've done away with it. I've thrown it out. It's no good. It's not going to happen. And I'm going to uh, illustrate how we're growing uh, by asking, uh, is Rachel? There you are, Rachel. Why don't you come on up here? Come on up here. This is going to be far more entertaining than the flower. <laughs> why, why don't you grab a microphone? And we've been looking at growing, and over the last few weeks, we've been looking at growing in boldness. And you have been incredibly bold recently, haven't you? Tell us what you've done and why you've done it. Uh, I, I shaved my head. You shaved your head. I can see that. Yes. Yes. I was saying that you need to be bold, not bald. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you misheard me. 
Why have you shaved your head? Uh, um, I, I, I shaved my head because uh, my, the program I'm in at my school was running Balding for Dollars uh, to uh, raise money and for cancer research and uh, the people who uh, shaved their head or uh, could donate their hair uh, for uh, making wigs and stuff. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So your hair is going to be made into a wig? I assume so. <laughs> I hope gonna, so. You're going to give that to, <laughs> you're give that to Phil? Or... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe someone <laughs> a little bit more deserving. And so, but you uh, you've been raising money then, so you give you get dollars for oh, this. Well. well, that is fantastic. And how do you feel? <laughs> a little lighter. Okay. Well, that's great. I think uh, uh, for any one of us to to lose our hair is is quite a, a, a difficult thing, especially as a, as a teenager, it's an even harder thing. But well done you. And I want to say congratulations and well done for um, shaving your head for such a great cause. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rachel. That's wonderful. Yeah, see, we are growing. We are growing. Um, if you've come here this morning seeking to encounter Jesus, you will not be disappointed. If you've come here this morning desiring to meet the one who brings hope to the hopeless, you will not be disappointed. If you've come here this morning to hear the life-giving, comforting, challenging words of Jesus, you will not be disappointed. And if you've come here this morning needing to experience the transforming touch of Jesus, you will not be disappointed. Because when we humbly come as we are, with all our brokenness and dirtiness, Jesus will always welcome us. And never, ever turn us away. When we lived in England, our family would often go to a typical seaside town close to where we lived. It was called Western Supermare. And Western Supermare was full of the things that you would expect from an English seaside town. It had ice cream and candy floss and penny slot machines and donkey rides and cheap and tacky souvenirs, all those things. And, of course, fish and chips. Western also had a beach. Well, I say a beach, but there was hardly any sand. Instead of sand... There was mud, mud, miles and miles of mud, mud, glorious mud. And if you were brave enough or foolish enough to go into the sea, 
you would first have to wade through the mud. Anyway, on one of our visits, I may have told you this story before, so I do apologize, but on one of our visits with our young family, Sam, my son, who was about four at the time, decided he wanted to go in the water. No, Sam, not today. The sea's far too far out and it's too muddy. But that's not fair, I want to. No, Sam, not today, perhaps another time. Well, Sam decided, like a lot of impatient four-year-olds, that he was going to take matters into his own hands. And so he made a dash for the water. And even back then, Sam was fast. And so before I could catch up with him, he was already hitting the muddy patch. And he was, you know, as the kids do, he's giggling and laughing as he's running away from dad. And as he turned around to see where I was, he tripped. And Sam went flying through the air head first and landed in the stickiest, brownest, smelliest mud. He was covered from head to toe, and all I could see were his eyes, which were rapidly filling with tears. And then, to my horror, this filthy, mud-covered, sobbing son of mine started to run towards me with his arms <laughs> open. wanting a comforting hug. As he got closer, I had a decision to make. What was I to do? Stay clean or give my son the hug he desperately needed? And of course, I did what every loving and sympathetic father would do. I got out of the way and told him to go and see his mother. <laughs> I'm no fool. What was Sam looking for that day? What did he want from his dad? He wanted compassion. Because everyone needs compassion. As I mentioned, as a church this year, we've been focusing on our word, the word grow. We want to grow in our relationship with Jesus this year. We want to move forward with him, move closer to him. And we identified areas of our lives where we wanted to see this growth. Do you remember at the start of the year? And they were these. These were the areas that we really wanted to grow in as individuals and as a church. And for the last six months, we've been working our way through some of these and teaching on these areas. And one of the areas that you wanted me to teach on was this, compassion. How can we show 
more compassion in our lives? How can we learn to follow Jesus by showing compassion? What might that look like? Now, I'll be honest with you, I've avoided this subject until now because compassion is tough. Because it's so easy to suffer from what has become known as compassion fatigue. There's so much need around us, isn't there? There's, it's overwhelming and, and it's easy just to become numb. You know, when we see and hear about refugees on the news or, you know, the World Vision commercial comes up on the TV or you get a text from a friend who's sick in bed and, and they need someone to look after their kids. Or when a GoFundMe page comes up on Facebook and, uh, from a relative who, who needs money for a, a cancer diagnosis. What do we do? Do we try to meet all of those needs? Do we feel sorry and then move on to something else? Do we try to forget about it? And then we end up feeling guilty because we've not done anything? What can we do? Showing compassion is tough. Especially as, you know what? We have stuff that we're dealing with ourselves. Haven't got time for all these other needs. But I'm going to suggest to you today that the only way to deal with this overwhelming need around us and to grow in compassion is to first grow closer to the compassionate heart of Jesus. The only way we can extend compassion to others is to first experience the never-ending compassion of Jesus for ourselves. To be so filled with his love and mercy and compassion, that it overflows from us into the lives of the people around us. So the focus, as always, has to be first and foremost, Jesus. And that's what we're going to do this morning. You see, compassion is at the very heart of who Jesus is. Throughout the gospel accounts of his life, we see Jesus showing compassion numerous times. Matthew 14 says, When Jesus landed, saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick, and then he went and fed them. Matthew 15, 32 says that Jesus felt the same compassion on another occasion. When people hadn't had enough food, haven't eaten for three days, and so he fed them. When Jesus saw two blind men of, of Jericho, Matthew 20 tells us that he had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight. And, and do you remember in Luke, as Jesus is going towards Jerusalem, he's overlooking Jer the city of Jerusalem and being overwhelmed with compassion for the people in that city. It actually says that Jesus wept over the city. Jesus had a heart of compassion. And, and it's not surprising that he did because he was just mirroring 
his Father's heart. God the Father, the Almighty God, the creator of the universe, is himself compassion. Exodus 34, uh, this is when he's uh, passing by Moses. And the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Psalm 103 says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And then in Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Compassion is who God is. And we, his children who are made in his image, therefore, are inherently compassionate. Compassion is part of our DNA. So let's look at what it means to be compassionate. Let's put some flesh on compassion. And we're going to do that by looking at a story in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Um, we're just going to read, actually, we'll read just five verses. You can follow it along with me. Mark, chapter 1, and we'll start at verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him, Jesus, and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourselves to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, the guy went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news, wouldn't you? As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Here's what I want to do for the rest of our time. I want to go through the passage and point out three ways that Jesus shows compassion to this man. In fact, how he shows compassion to all who are unclean. I think that's most of us. And as we go through this, we'll hopefully see what that might mean for us as we grow in compassion for others. Okay? Three points. Here's the first point. Compassion reaches out and touches. In verse 41, it says, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the man. That one sentence should be as startling to us now as it was in the first century context. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched 
the leper. Of all the diseases in the ancient world, leprosy was the one to be feared the most. No one in that day ever touched a leper. You might remember this famous picture of Princess Diana at the height of the AIDS epidemic where she touches an AIDS sufferer. It caused a stir around the world because people were afraid to touch AIDS patients because they thought they might catch something. But that fear was nothing compared to the first century fear of leprosy victims. It was thought that a leper, that if a leper so much as put his head into your doorway, then your whole house is contaminated. The religious authorities laid down laws saying that the closest you could get to a leper was six feet. And if the wind was blowing in their direction, then you had to be 150 feet away. Why were the people so afraid of this disease? Because it was an awful disease. Leprosy would begin with the loss of the sensation in some parts of your body. The nerve trunks are affected. The muscles waste away. The tendons contract until your hands are like claws. And then ulcers would appear on your hands and feet and eventually those parts of the body affected would die. And so it would fall off. Hands, fingers, toes, feet would fall off. And you see, this would take place over a period of years. So it was a kind of terrible progressive death in which a person literally died inch by inch. So no wonder it was a feared disease, but it wasn't just the physical consequences. It was the social implications of being a leper as well. Leprosy not only wrecked the body, it affected you in every other way. Lepers were banished from the community. They were forced to live outside of the walled towns. This meant outside Jerusalem. It meant outside the holy city, which meant outside the temple, which meant being cut off from the worship life of the people of God. The stigma was awful. It was degrading. Uh, The leper would even have to cry, unclean, unclean, if they saw another human being at a distance to warn them off. No one wanted anything to do with these people. But Mark tells us that Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the man. This is amazing in itself, but it goes deeper than that. Jesus didn't stand at a distance, you know, and maybe sort of get a stick or something and just poke. The Greek word Mark uses here for touched 
haptomia. Literally means to attach oneself to. Jesus attached himself to the man. He grasped the man. He grabbed him. The picture is of Jesus hugging the man with leprosy. He broke through all the hygienic uptightness and through all the fear, and he touched the sores. Jesus risks his own health, his own social standing. Why did he do that? Why did he touch the man? You know, human touch is so important, isn't it? We're born to yearn for the touch of another. Babies yearn for the touch of a parent. Unfortunately, in our sensitive times that we live, we're frightened to touch. A hug or an arm around the shoulder of someone can be abused and viewed suspiciously. But, but touch is important to us as human beings. I remember a number of years ago, I was walking downtown and I saw this guy curled up in a, a store doorway. And so I stopped and I, I sort of chatted with him and uh, I said, are you hungry? He said, yeah, I haven't had anything to eat. So I went and got him a, a Big Mac and, and brought it back to him. And he was telling me about his life, you know, and uh, the usual, come from a broken home. Uh, had to run away to get away from uh, physical abuse from his stepdad. And so I stayed a little bit with him as he ate his hamburger and we were standing face to face and I started to walk away and then I, <laughs> I sensed God saying to me, hug him. <laughs> no, <laughs> he was filthy, he was dirty. I was thinking, you know, maybe I could see the bugs jumping from hair to hair. I think there's no way. And God says, hug him. I've done my bit, Lord. I said, hug him. And I went back and I hugged this guy. And he started crying. He started crying. I said, what's wrong? He said, no one is Probably no one had touched this leper for years. He had not experienced the compassionate touch of anybody. Imagine that. But Jesus, the God-man, the Holy One, touches, grabs, attaches himself to the unholy. You see, compassion stretches out and touches the unclean. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news for us, the unclean? Good news for us who do stuff that we're embarrassed about, for us who are broken, for us who are full of shame and guilt and dirty. Compassion stretches out and touches the unclean. Praise God. 
But before we get carried away, here's the painful application. Do you know what this means for us? Think of the uncleanest people you know right now. Not necessarily on the outside, because there's plenty of those. What about on the inside? Yeah, I was thinking about this as I was preparing. I thought, who's the uncleanest people that I know? God reminded me of something that happened three years ago when our house was broken into while we slept upstairs. And most of our valuables were taken or trashed. And I'll be honest with you, my thoughts about those who did it was not very pastor-like. They were the uncleanest people in my life at that time. They were garbage to me. And here's the thing I struggled with. Jesus is willing to attach himself to them. To touch them, to hug them in their current unclean state. And the most unsettling thing of all is that he asks me to do the same. You see, what he does for us, he calls us to do to others. Remember after he washed the disciples' feet, he said, look, it's a new commandment I'm going to give you. Love one another. As I have loved you in this way, go and love others in the same way. As I show you compassion when you're unclean, go and show compassion to those who are also unclean. See, that's divine compassion. Showing compassion isn't just for the clean and the lovely and the deserving. It's for the lepers of this world, the social outcasts, the unclean, the ones that we might try to keep at a distance. We're called to be like Jesus, attaching ourselves to the unloved, getting down and dirty, giving a hug to the mud-covered, filthy ones running towards you with their arms out. Compassion calls us to get messy. Okay, so compassion reaches out and touches. And the second thing that it does, uh, we need to understand, is that compassion demands action. The Greek word that's translated as compassion is this word. I'm going to try to pronounce it. Splagnisumai. Splagnisumai. Splagni sumai. I'm going to say it again. Splagsi numai. Whatever. It's a big word. It's a long word. And do you know what it means? It literally means to have the bowels yearn. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> to have the bowels yearn. I'm not sure what it means, but it sounds serious. <laughs> but it's like you feel this aching deep down inside of you. There's this painful aching on the inside for somebody else. It means to feel deep sympathy. 
but it also means to be moved to action. It's interesting that every time you see this word compassion in the Gospels used about Jesus, it's always followed by an action. You notice that? Every single time. Any time in the Gospels when you see Jesus had compassion and then he walked away. No, Jesus had compassion and he healed them. Jesus had compassion and he fed them. And it's the same in this story. We're told that he reached out, touched the man. He said, I'm willing. Be clean. Be clean. You see, he saw, he felt deep compassion, and then he did something. And this is important because compassion isn't an emotion. Compassion is an action. You see, it's so easy for us to say we care. Especially in today's social media world. You know, you see something on Instagram or Facebook or or whatever, and you click the sad emoji. And we feel, ah, I feel better now. And you move on. But here's the thing. Caring is not clicking. Caring is acting. Caring is not liking a post, but it's loving a person. It's being moved from the depths of your soul to have an aching pain, so much so that you're compelled to get involved in the life of someone else. Compassion calls us to act. Whatever that might look like, in the situation. It could be, I don't know, come around for a cup of tea. That's how my mum showed compassion to people. She's always got the kettle on. Come around, have a cup of tea. It could be that you spend time with someone. It could be that you set up a meeting with someone. I spoke to a friend recently who said he's mentoring this guy who's uh, come off drugs and he's really struggling at the moment. And he's going along to meetings with this guy, literally walking alongside him. Whatever it is, however big or small, compassion demands action. So compassion reaches out and touches. Compassion acts. And lastly, compassion desires transformation. Notice that no encounter with the compassionate Jesus is ever neutral. No one ever walks away from Jesus and says, whatever. No one. The leper is transformed after meeting Jesus. He's healed physically. He's healed emotionally. He's healed socially. Because of the compassion Jesus had for this man, his life changed forever. Compassion desires transformation. And here's the point. We can never transform people. It's not our job. Jesus can do that. Our job, our role, as we grow in compassion, is ultimately to point people to Jesus. 
the ultimate goal of compassion is not just to join the pity party. It's not just to affirm someone's pain. It's not just to say, there, there. It's to point people to Jesus so that he can transform lives and make them clean. That's what he does for us, isn't it? In his compassion, in his mercy, he lifts us out of the pit of mud and slime and makes us clean. He transforms us. So when we show compassion for others, we're really saying, we want you to meet Jesus. We want you to be transformed by Jesus. Everyone needs compassion. Everyone. Everyone. A lot of people. There's so much pain in this world. How can we show compassion to all who need it? Well, here's the thing. You can't. I can't. And you alone are not expected to. God isn't calling you to everyone. He's calling you to one person at a time. This is Lelpe's favorite story. I think he's told it about 27 times at Open Table. It's a starfish story. Maybe you know it. There's a, a young girl walking along a beach after a big storm, and all these starfish have been washed ashore. And as you know, if they're not, if they're out of the water, they will die. Hundreds of starfish on the shore. And this little girl looks at them and, and picks one up and throws it back in the water. And she does this for about 10 minutes, picks one up, throws it back in the water, and a, a, a woman's watching her. And she goes up to the little girl and says, well, what are you doing? There's so many of these. You can't make a difference to all of them. And she picked up another one and threw it back and said, yeah, but I made a difference to that one. Who is God calling you to make a difference to? It might be someone different tomorrow. Who is it today that he's calling you Everyone needs compassion. Maybe <laughs> that's what you need this morning. Someone came up to me before the service and said, I've come here this morning because I need compassion. <laughs> Praise God you're in the right place. <laughs> Everyone needs compassion. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to be filled with the compassion of Jesus again. Maybe you need to come to him. Maybe you need to feel his touch, to feel his love for you. Maybe you feel so unclean be transformed. Maybe that's you. And when he's come and he's cleaned you and he's filled you with his love and grace and mercy and compassion, and then we're called to go out and to show compassion to those around us. Let's pray.
I'd like us to do two things right now. First one is if if you're here this morning and life just really sucks at the moment and stuff's going on and maybe you're like my son running, you're feeling so unclean, you just need a hug. then allow Jesus to come and touch you, to touch your life, to fill you once more with his love and his grace and his mercy and compassion. You don't have to make yourself clean before you come to him. He comes to you. Maybe that's what you need to do. Second thing, if, if God has put on your heart somebody that is searching and reaching out and wanting compassion in their lives, pray that he'll now reveal that person to you and give you the strength and the wisdom to know what to do, how to show in big ways or, or, or just in a small way, maybe even a text or a let's go for coffee. Father, I thank you that you're a God of compassion. I thank you that you sent your son because you loved us so much. You sent your son into the world to save us, to show us the right way to live to show us your character, and then to die so that we can be transformed by your love. Father, thank you. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to fill us with your compassion. Will you do that, Lord? And will you then spur us on to show your compassion to a needy world, one person,